0: we talk about astrophysics let's talk about
1: astrophysics oh my goodness astrophysics (laughs) first and foremost let's start Uh with the definition okay (laughs) please what is what is astrophysics yeah uh the marriage between astronomy uh and physics
0: (laughs) That's, really, that's that's really what astrophysics that makes sense. is yeah <laughs> the marriage between astronomy and astrophysics I mean excuse me in physics I, um, astro- you, you studied you mm-hmm. studied astrophysics in college
1: right I did I had the privilege of studying at the University of Rochester um, as an undergraduate uh studies in uh, astrophysics and um, and in addition to that I was able to work under uh dr Adam Frank um, okay. um for I want to say two two and a half years doing uh, work in what is called computational astrophysics. Oh, something yeah something that he at the time was leading and I believe still is one of the uh, pioneers in that field. And the area of focus that Dr. Adam Frank and his team uh was on w- what were called um planetary nebulas. And 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 the Bipolar outflows, uh, the 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 jets that you see sometimes coming out of, emanating out of dying stars, um, particularly black holes. So he he was so it was really cool. So I had I had that as an experience
0: and um, it had such a my profound first, shape for me. Mm-hmm. My first question is why? <laughs> like, why did you <laughs> why did you choose astrophysics? It actually it actually goes
1: back to the time when I was around. Uh, 11, I had a conversation with my dad uh, in, in, in Brighton Beach um, looking at stars in the evening, and he said, you know, son, some of the stars that we're seeing right now may actually not even exist, and wow. out of that blossomed the conversation about the speed of light and cosmic distances and the time it takes for light, celestial light to reach our eyes, and how we can do some kind of measurement to see how far these things are, hence the word light years as a, as a way of measuring the distance that light travels in a year. That we, you know, it's the way we can um, uh, understand the large scales that are happening there. And so that, that, that conversation was a turning point for me, and I've, I always have been drawn to science as, as far back as I can remember, and, and did particularly well in, 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 in my studies in science. Um, but but that launched me. That conversation with my dad launched me into what really, in many ways, is my first love, which which is astronomy. Uh-huh. And um, forget about it. After that, what, what by the time I I turned eighteen and I came in and I said, yeah, I, I need to pick these studies up. I, and that's exactly what I did. Um, yeah, that's how I <laughs> started, uh, that's started awesome. going into. Yeah, I started, yeah, started that's... going into it. Mm-hmm.
0: So there was, I mean. Of course, you knew about the news. the The first image of a black hole um, yeah. was a significant discovery for yeah. human knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. What was What was your reaction to that news? I was really excited about it. I was
1: like a kid in a candy store. Um, I, 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 I have some un- understanding. I had an idea of how difficult it would be to to capture uh, an image of a black hole. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what it would take in order to do that. Um, so Mm -hmm. I was really excited about it because before we had direct empirical evidence of a black hole, Mm -hmm. these were for the most part, um, theoretical objects that we knew, uh, existed in nature by means of the, uh, the, the equations and and relativity. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, just just to get that, to get some clear empirical evidence, and then with this particular image that was captured, it was a team of scientists, international, as you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. One young uh, woman in particular, coming out of MIT, who who, uh, I believe created the algorithm to 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 capture this image. This, this is a remarkable set of people uh, on this. But, but with this image, we're able to do, and we will be able to do, and look, look I'm, I'm speaking in the plural, we, as if I'm a scientist. But... <laughs>
0: You're in their corner. I'm in the corner. In the that corner. corner That's what it is. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, that really good science is going to be uh, coming out of this uh, for years to come because mm-hmm. the, the amount of data that we're going to be able to extract um, is going to be remarkable. And um, just so much um, in this image in terms of the confirmation of Einstein's theory of relativity um, that can be discerned through the shape of the light and, and the Doppler shifting effect of mm-hmm. the way the material that's coming to us and moving away from us and why one side of the image is uh, brighter than the other side. And just there's a lot there mm-hmm. um, that, that's just really exciting. And I'm just like, uh, I'm like <laughs> geeking out over it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like really
1: geeking out over it.
0: Yeah, it did. like it was such a big deal for the yeah. entire world to see this image. And yeah. I was wondering if you can kind of explore that through a, a metaphysical lens.
1: Well, let me just say that first and foremost, what a black hole is, so so it's a region in space where uh, the density of the object is such, uh, the mass of the object is such that not even light can escape it, hence the word black hole. Um, so... Uh, we're talking about the remnants of a star. Think of um, the mass of an entire star condensed into an infinite point, right? What what scientists will call the singularity. Um, So a good visual is, let's say we have this big um, trampoline net, let's say. Imagine it was strong enough um, to roll a car onto the trampoline net. What we will naturally see is that the, the 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 net will bend to the degree in which uh, or or in proportion to the weight of the car, right? Okay. You got that visual okay. in mind. So yeah. now let's take this car, right? We roll it back off the net, and what we want to do is, um, as you see in junkyards, they they squash the car, they compress it into like a little box, maybe the size of your refrigerator. Okay. Right, um, so mm-hmm. what happens there is the density increases, right? Because you're taking this this object and you're 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 bringing it into a smaller volume, so in, mm-hmm. so density increases, and so that means that the weight of the car which will remain the same as it were but now it's focused on a smaller volume and a smaller point so you take that refrigerator size uh, car which is still a car but now compressed and you put that on the net and the net is going to dip even further Right. Because now it's it's concentrated in, in a less surface area. So it's it's yeah. coming down. So, so if we do that, right, that's the sort of model. Now we take this refrigerator size car and we compress it even more. Let's say we compress it all the way to the to the point of a pencil. Mm-hmm. Imagine uh, this somehow we're able to move this onto the net. It will probably rip through the net. Mm. Right, wow. and 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 that's what a black hole is. You, you're taking the mass of stars, sometimes, right, multiple stars. That, that's how big, let's say, we're working with, or just one star, mm-hmm. and you're compressing it. Right, gravity just takes over. Gravity just takes over, and and so the understanding is is that my goodness, that the region of time and space is ripped asunder by means of the singularity, and and the gravity. Is such that light, even light, which is the fastest thing in the universe, cannot escape this object. Can never escape uh, it. So there, uh, there is what is called an event horizon mm-hmm. around a singularity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the event horizon is that region of space where there's the point of no return. If you go past the event horizon, bye bye, bye bye, Joe, Terry, <laughs> bye <bye-bye>, bye, Lewis. Right?
0: <laughs> you're just sucked into the black hole. You're
1: done. Yeah. You're done. And the way you'll be sucked in is this: you're talking about uh, gravitational tidal forces. Could you know, depending on the size of of uh, of of this you know of the black hole and whatnot so Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh so that's what a black hole is right so um the the, this this raises many curious questions naturally (laughs) like
0: absolutely my
1: goodness like okay what happens if you and then let's say hypothetically you survive, like, what would you see? Can you see anything? What, like, because there's no light. So, and then you fall into the inner and, and could you come out on the other side if you could somehow survive the gravitational tidal forces and the crazy, right? Like, is there another side to the black hole? Right. And so the physics goes there, mathematically speaking. Um, and, and, very interesting terms, like, um, as it were, the antonym of a black hole or the opposite of it on the other side will be a white hole, mm. uh, something that we've never really actually discovered, or mm. uh, what is called the Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is the neck of of the connecting holes and and maybe wormholes and and kind of traveling oh through space right it's really cool Think yeah the movie inception <laughs> or not inception um yeah, interstellar. interstellar oh my goodness mm-hmm. right it kind of plays with this idea yeah. uh even though it's like a weird funky ending and it's like <laughs> <laughs> really cool it did works. you get to see that
0: I did, I did. So, so I, uh, I got into it on an emotional level. So I, I, I yeah. forgave the science. I was like, okay, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, in the end, it was like a little weird, but the science was pretty good actually throughout the movie. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. it was
1: really, really, I actually uh, really good. But it was like mm-hmm. the ending was just okay. You know, it was cool. It was like theatrical and you know, weird twist in the end. No spoiler alert here. We don't want to. But um, so so when when you think of a region where mm-hmm. space and time, as it were, is no longer. It seems like right where there's a rip through the space-time continuum, as if the space-time continuum was like a net. Mm-hmm. This raises all kinds of questions, um, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I think in that uh, comes certain metaphysical questions, right? Because if we are talking about the, as it were, the cease, like the time and space being Mm -hmm. utterly destroyed or non-existent it seems Mm -hmm. like at this point of the singularity Mm -hmm. um what then is what how how can we then speak of the region at the singularity right Mm -hmm. because then the laws of physics break down we have and and this is actually what Takes place. The limits of our science is such that we do not have the mathematics to model to even get at what's happening inside, let's say, or at the event horizon, or excuse me, mm-hmm. at the singularity. Right. So mm-hmm. physics physics breaks down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. And and even our thought form, right? Our ability to conceive, right? We think within the framework of of space and time. So, what it what does it look like to think in categories that transcend space and time, right? Wow. C- categories that seem to take place in nature, right? Mm-hmm. Black holes, where where you right? This is so that's where we can get into the metaphysics, right? And some have even said, well, the minute we're, we're attempting to do science at the level of a black hole at uh, the level of a singularity, singularity, we're probably now doing metaphysics. Some have made that argument. There are physicists who push back against that, but that's briefly what's, what's
0: part of yeah. the, you know... What, I, what I find so, so fascinating about that is just I live in a world where it... Like, for everything that I do on the daily, that the answer exists. Like, if I'm interacting with the world... Um, like... The answer to what I'm doing like when it comes to just physical interactions or understanding mm-hmm. it's I I always felt like I mean aside from spirituality and, and, and when we when we get into theology and of course like science has its its limits and, and everyone has their own ideas but when mm-hmm. it comes to just like interacting with the physical day-to-day world here on earth um, that the answer like it's it's been discovered like I felt like everything's kind of been discovered in the type of world that I live. But then uh-huh. once we start dealing with black holes and we start looking at the limits of, of our universe, there's just so much uncharted territory, it seems. Yes. Um, yes. and, and I guess that that's why I see the, like, for me, that makes me question the very nature of, of my reality <laughs> because I felt, so comfortable <laughs> thinking like, you know what, someone else has the answer mm. to why this is like this. Um, but yeah, if, just even going, doing my own research on certain parts of the universe and, and mm. just seeing some of the images captured um, based off the limits of technology. It's, it's, it's just, there's so much out there that we don't know. And it makes me realize that we, as a, as a species, there's a lot of questions that we don't have the answers for. It's so true. You know, death, um, well, let me me
1: put it like this. Um, Mm -hmm. The death of romance is habit and habituation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we lose the romantic gaze. We lose wonder and awe and curiosity because of the habituation of everyday life. So, you know, we live life and we're no longer um, in awe of the blueness of the sky or the greenness Mm -hmm. of the grass Mm -hmm. or the luminous nature of of starlight or the sun, right? We just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we almost become jaded. It's like, yeah, I've seen it already a thousand times. It's like, whatever, Mm -hmm. it's light. And we think we know it because we're able to offer some sort of linguistic appendage to it. We say that's light, that's that's grass, that's... Mm -hmm. You know that's uh, blue yeah, just sky. Labeling it, <laughs> we it just label something. it, right? We we in a sense have some now control over it by means of the label and mm. some awareness. But not, and not that there's anything wrong with labeling, right? Um, but we we lose the mystery that is ever present, even in the reality in scales that that you and I are accustomed to every mm. day. The everydayness, right, of life. So um, science, like philosophy, uh, really, I would argue, rests in and is birthed through wonder, right? So -hmm. what's so beautiful about science is that it reawakens us to the mystery that is all around us. Mm -hmm. And I think good science does that very well. It's not that okay now I know oh blue is just it's it's just the certain wavelength of a of an electromagnetic spectrum and that's why it's blue right mm-hmm. I mean we could approach it like that right okay mm-hmm. we now have some knowledge of what blue is versus red right differences yeah. in the frequency of the electromagnetic spectrum but if you look at it in a different sense you just you could be even more in awe of it Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. science does this or can do this well Mm -hmm. Um, it cultivates so it starts in wonder and then it will um, grow wonder and awe Mm -hmm. in our lives Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so yeah I I I get I get that I get what you're saying there and and it's great and you know as Plato says philosophy begins in wonder and all so that's why there's a connection there between philosophy and science now with that being said science um, is limited to its own methodology Mm-hmm. Um uh science, um, at least uh experimentally speaking, works on observation um and uh forms of of particularly empirical observation, right? So it's limited to the five senses and what we can do with the five senses, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um and when we get to theoretical science, let's say like theoretical physics, mm-hmm. which is really using more the tw- mathematics and conceptual thinking. Uh, there are limits with that because sometimes an equation will have multiple solutions. And based on the multiple solutions you have to that equation, you can then go into nature, tell the experimentalist, and say, if you go into nature and observe this part of reality, you may see this, this, this or this kind of effect. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the solutions are multiple. You don't know what you could find in nature. Sometimes the the solutions are singular mm. and it's telling you flat out. What, what, what you will find in nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which is really, which is really cool, right? So Einstein's equations of general relativity uh, predicted the, as it were, the possibility of black holes, the curvature of space and time, and hypothetically you can get this and that mathematically, and that's exactly what happened, right? We go out into wow. nature, we observe it, it's like, voila, there it is. <laughs> um, so that's really dope, but there is a limit, There's a limit. And I think this is where metaphysics comes in, because while science is amazingly good at getting us uh, information about the empirical world, Mm -hmm. science, qua science, doesn't give us any um, answers regarding whether or not Shakespeare is a good author, whether or not it is wrong to kill cats, Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not there's a spiritual domain or, or even the question of being itself, existence itself is not adjudicated by science. Um, and it's not that science is uh, like bad, it's just that science is limited to its methodology. You go to university, you study different subjects, and the reason why there are different areas of disciplines and intellectual disciplines is because different methodologies and approaches open up new vistas of knowledge, and knowledge is vast. Science gives us one particular kind of knowledge. Very important, but it's limited. And I think it's very important that we, we keep that in mind. Uh, If not, we fall into what is called scientism, which is a a belief that says, well, only scientific knowledge is valid, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And all other knowledge is at best tertiary, secondary, at
0: worst, it's just
1: subjective and it's just, you know, a matter of opinion.
0: You said all other knowledge. Can you give examples of other fields of study that would be outside of the realm of of science? Yeah. Just so, as examples. Sure.
1: Sure. So um, uh, if, if I'm studying literary theory, literary theory as an example um, cannot and does not navigate through the domain of empirical research. Okay. It does not fall under the criteria of what we would call the scientific method, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's fine. What that tells us is that science um is science uh for the sake of the empirical as it were the empirical uh world um where where uh literary theory is focusing here on the artistic and the meaningful expression, which is a kind of science it's a kind of knowledge science in the in a deeper sense right mm-hmm. um but 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 it, it it doesn't progress through experimentation one doesn't okay gain knowledge <laughs> uh, on literary theory, let's say on film theory, on mm-hmm. questions of morality and ethics, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth through the exercising of the scientific method, right? Um, so so important, yeah. So math starts with what are called axioms, assumed truths that are mm. rooted on clear, uh, what is clear and evident to the mind. And we wow. build on those axioms, right? Mm-hmm. So well, you understand what a one is, and one plus one is two, and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, and what's amazing is that science, as it were, does really, really well when it, when it uses math, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, there's, a, there's a very fascinating puzzle uh, that why is the universe, why is the cosmos intelligible? How is it, mm-hmm. in other words, in, in, how is it um, ordered and structured mm-hmm. in such a way that is open to discovery mm-hmm. and, and, and intellectual apprehension
0: mm-hmm.
1: to the degree that we can use mathematics to investigate Um, questions about the universe right and to systematize things so such that the very laws of nature like in physics let's say the law of gravity um, is calculable Mm -hmm. and discernible through mathematics Mm -hmm. this is a profound puzzle right and this actually raises metaphysical questions because it would seem as if mathematics is at a deeper and higher level than what is what 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 appears to the net to the to the to let's say the the, the sense of sight. So science goes out with a particular methodology using the senses that we have to observe patterns and structures and repetition, repetitions in nature. And we realize that the very patterns and structures of nature are somehow profoundly ordered according to the inherent structure of intelligibility and in mathematics itself. Now, I know I'm like going out there. but oh, then I, this... I
0: have another example about that. Because you, mm. you mentioned sight, but also mm. with sound. Like frequencies, yes, are, are governed by mathematics as well too. Do you know yes. that like a sound at four hundred and forty hertz is going to sound like this particular yes. note? Yes, yeah. is crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy.
1: And and so we can do a whole um, an episode, a series of episodes on on the relationship between uh, metaphysics and and science or physics in particular. I think that that's a fruitful conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just starting off with. Um, recognizing the differences in the categories. That when, mm-hmm. when you're doing physics, you're operating under a different or within a different category than, let's say, in a different field of investigation, like mm-hmm. literary theory. I uh, Just mm-hmm. give you that example, right? Mm-hmm. And if we don't understand, if we don't keep these categories intact, we can fall into the great sin that I've been talking about called reductionism. Or mm. other things like genetic fallacies and other mm-hmm. uh, confusions in categorical thinking. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which is I, which is prevalent in our time. Yeah. Very prevalent. <laughs> very, very prevalent. Very, very prevalent. <laughs> <laughs>